This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And today we're going to have a pretty packed show. We're joined in the studio with our sports director, Dixon Lawson. Pretty good. As well as we're uh, Dr. Rudolph with CSU, and we're going to interview him with, about Ram Reality. We're also going to have Campus News with Ren, and our reporter Coda went to last Friday's climate strike, so he's done a little uh, interview report on that. I'm going to do my local news. Uh, we're going to have a roundtable uh, about the recent legislation that the uh, purchasing age for tobacco will be changed 21 in the state of Colorado. Uh, and we actually uh, have a question for our listeners that we'd like to propose now. So, Ren, if you'd like to ask people. Yeah, absolutely. So we just wanted to ask our listeners if you think that raising the legal age for the purchase of tobacco negatively impacts those who are under the legal age who are addicted to nicotine or if you think that it's an appropriate health precaution to take. And you can text us at 970-491-5278 to let us know your opinions on that. We also are going to do our usual national days and follow that up with the weather. So we got a great show coming up for you today. Uh, but first, I think we should probably take it to Dixon with sports. Hey, whoop, whoop, whoop. Thank you very much. Last week's issue, volleyball came into the week ranked number 17 uh, in the nation after an impressive set of wins. As of late, um, they welcomed New Mexico into Moby Arena once again for the Rams. An early and quick start helped lead them to a 3-0 snowball victory uh, after a night's rest. And then they um, hopped on the bus the next day to travel to UNLV in Sin City on Saturday. The Rams were able to pull off another big win, 3-1. to one. Uh, They looked to carry this momentum forward into tonight's contest at Wyoming. For all the action, you can tune in tonight on 98.5 KCSU FM Fort Collins as Corey Odom and myself will be bringing you all the action. Uh, they will round out the week on Saturday, back on the road once again, heading down to Air Force. Um, and, of course, you can catch all that action here on 90.5 KCSU. Uh, another heartbreaking week for football fans is yet another late fourth quarter comeback falls short in a 24-34 loss. O'Brien was unable to find the end zone, going 14 for 30 for 217 yards through the air without a touchdown or interception. CSU could only find the end zone uh, on the ground as Kinsey Jr. and Thomas combined for a touchdown each. Uh, CSU will head back home for this year's homecoming game against San Diego State. Uh, hey, Ren, have you heard of uh, Old Aggie Beer? I have indeed. It's only the most famous beer on our campus. Well, thanks to them in New Belgium, we are happy to announce that we will be giving away porch passes for this weekend's game on the pregame show that will be happening on Saturday, three hours before the game. So if you're uh, maybe wanting to find a chance or uh, find a way to go to the game, looking to maybe upgrade your seats, whatever it may be, be sure to tune in on Saturday to the pregame show. Me and Nick Baker uh, will be bringing you all those fun prize giveaways and all that good stuff but uh yeah, that, yeah that's all that's i got for sports for the deal. week so yeah i'm super excited ren you can talk about the uh the, the porch passes where would that kind of be located uh so the porch pass is um uh it's kind of weird to explain the angling of it um it's on it's right behind one of the field goals i feel like that's mm -hmm. the correct it, yeah <laughs> it's, it's on the north end zone yeah. yeah so it's on the end zone so you get to be right up close to the action where a lot of this stuff happens that's where cam the ram runs that's where um it's right next to the marching band so it's a pretty uh hype spot to be if i don't say so myself i think it's a really fun spot to watch people and just to get involved yeah, definitely being right there on the sideline. Great Instagram, Facebook, social media opportunities. Get the greatest picture 
put a great caption on it. We'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah. yeah, and if you're worried about uh, being able to see the game, it's right across from the Jumbotron as well, so you'll be able to see everything that's going on in the game. Front row view. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's all from sports. Uh, once again, if you want to tune in to some volleyball, tune in tonight, 90.5 KSU FM, Fort Collins. Thank you so much, Dixon. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right on. Well, we're going to talk to Dr. Rudolph, but first we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Dr. Rudolph is here to talk about RAM reality. So stick around. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we are joined in studio by Dr. Rudolph, who is here to talk to us a little bit about RAM reality, virtual reality, and everything that has to do with that. So, Dr. Rudolph, uh, RAM reality is um, described on its website as an XR symposium. Could you tell us a little bit about what XR means? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. so XR is a term that is an umbrella term that uh, really captures sort of the latest trends in virtual augmented and mixed reality. So virtual reality is where you have digital objects in a virtual world. Augmented reality is where you have data or uh, computer graphic elements overlaid in the real world. Mixed reality is where you have digital objects and data interacting with the real world. And then XR is a term that kind of takes it all and puts it together. It's virtual worlds and objects in real or virtual environments. So it's kind of an umbrella term that captures a lot of the um, recent advances in this technology platform. Interesting. For the uh, difference between VR, uh, a, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality, could you give us some examples of what those might look like? Yeah, so I'm sure many of the folks listening have perhaps uh, been involved with games inside of virtual reality. So virtual reality is when you put on a goggle and you're totally immersed in a virtual world. And um, augmented reality is when you put on a set of glasses, you can still see the real world, but you have... Um, animations or computer graphics in it. So um, Oculus is a company that really sort of set the stage in 2012. Uh, Palmer Lucky invented a virtual reality goggle that really set the whole uh, industry in motion to make goggles. And then, of course, uh, Microsoft came out with uh, their version of an augmented reality, the HoloLens, and Google Glass was an example of also augmented reality, and now we have Magic Leap, which is the most uh, recognizable name in the augmented reality world. I actually haven't heard of Magic Leap before. I'll have to do some research into that one. Um, so we just want to know what what do you think that virtual or augmented reality will do in the future, and what role will it play? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great question, and uh, I don't know how many of your listeners saw the movie Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. I love uh, that movie. Yeah, that movie is a great movie, and you know, it was a book before as a movie. I encourage folks to read the book. But so you know, humans are very visually dominant animals, and uh, you know, putting people in a perceptive world is is highly engaging. So the the applications for virtual reality have really been um, at play for many years. We've had virtual environments and training and simulations and places like defense and some corporate worlds. But these goggles, you know, these sort of two or $300 sets that you can now get, even Google Cardboard, which allows you to drop your phone in, really allows accessibility to this platform like we've never had before. 
And uh, the training environment's a great place to start where a lot of the applications have um, really emerged because you can drop anybody into an environment and uh, ask them to interact with that environment. That environment could be a training environment like cockpit of a plane. It could be a huddle of, a, of an athletic team where quarterbacks are learning how to be more accurate with a football. Um, and then more recently, we've seen a whole emergent, uh, emergence of uh, applications around mental health. So, you know, um, meditation, for example, is highly enhanced inside of the virtual environment. Oh, I never thought of that. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, there are lots of interesting applications that have been driven in our uh, XR symposium and RAM reality have kind of been a really nice uh, sort of proving ground for a lot of that. And, and a lot of exciting things have emerged at these events. Very interesting. Uh, our next question actually comes from our, our sports guy, Dixon. Uh, and he, he sadly had to leave, but he did have a question for you, Ren. You want to take it away with that question? Yeah, absolutely. So Dixon was just kind of wondering how um, augmented reality and virtual reality and XR can be implemented in the sports world and the training facilities and even maybe in the games themselves. And I know you were talking a little bit about that before. Yeah. Well, uh, again, the first applications uh, we've seen and actually driven out of the last year's uh, hackathon, reality, RAM reality hackathon, was a concussion protocol. So <clears throat> right now there are a number of tests that are given to athletes who have uh, suspected concussion. Of course, there's a concussion protocol. But inside the virtual world, um, the hand-eye coordination that can be measured very accurately becomes a really strong foundation to measure essentially effects of concussion and return to play measurements that allow athletes to go back into play. So we've seen um, very direct applications in sports around uh, certainly um, you know, medical treatments or uh, treatments of athletes in injury, both head and, show, and, and body. Um, in the training environment, uh, one, can all, one can be placed into a virtual world where you actually have to run plays. So there are training modules in virtual environments now that allow athletes to train better that uh, also take in measurements from their real world into the virtual world. So on a treadmill, you can tell how fast somebody's running, you can tell how much force they're running with, and you can uh, essentially put an athlete with a virtual immersive environment on a treadmill and, and essentially assess their performance in a near real world kind of environment of the playing field. Huh. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never thought of it being used in that way. Usually I, when you think of virtual reality, you always think of like video games. And... I think that could get me in much better shape. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a dinosaur is chasing you. Oh, I was going to say it's like a big pile like donuts and cookies Ooh. right in front of me. And I'm just like eternally running towards it, just never quite getting there. Kind of a, yeah. a you know, carrot and a stick situation. Yeah, with virtual <laughs> calories too. Oh man, I'd love it if all these calories are virtual. <laughs> so the uh, the website mentions that the symposium is a place for creatives, designers, and psychologists to come together. Now I'm very curious, how does psychology play a role in XR? Yeah, um, the events themselves. We this is uh, our fourth uh, hackathon, and the first one we did 
was a real gamble. We put 50 students in a room for 24 hours. We had prizes, which of course motivated them to stay for 24, uh, 48 hours. But um, the, the kinds of immersive experience that have driven out of it have been really uh, amazing. All we ask is that the students, and now with faculty help, um, think about an immersive experience that uh, relates to our land-grant mission. Um, so we've had broad experiences, everything from uh, empathy, where uh, people, a group of students interested in having um, an experience that really made you more aware of climate change. So one of the immersive experiences was a, a, an avatar of yourself standing on the uh, edge of uh, the beach, and they fast-forwarded the uh, projected increase in uh, sea level as a result of climate change. And you were standing at this at dock of this pier at the edge of the beach, and suddenly the water rose. And, and you, you, know, you were immersed as the water rose, and you had that same fear or phobia as you would if you were uh, standing and water was rising around you. Um, we've had uh, an anatomy VR uh, platform that's now being uh, commercialized over in the vet hospital. So digital anatomy in a virtual environment. So now in a surgeon who's going in to uh, plan on a patient in terms of removal of a mass or something like that can take an image from that patient, create a three-dimensional virtual environment, put on a set of goggles, and fly into the area where they're going to be operating or doing some procedure. So medical pre-planning uh, is another example. All of these experiences require you know, someone who understands a little bit of the science behind what's being trying to be done in this, in this immersive experience, a little bit of the art of how do you put together a, a compelling immersive experience and then storytelling i mean you know you have to be able to capture an audience in a five to ten minute experience and so the people who have come together at these events have been highly diverse computer scientists you know biologists chemists the sort of stem science arts uh we we've run uh, art competitions inside the hackathon as well where art artists will for the first time pick up a digital brush inside of a virtual environment and create something they never created before. So it, it is a platform that draws a lot of different community stakeholders uh, into to try to create a very unusual experience. And uh, they've been highly diverse. And and so your mention of, you know, psychologists, uh, um, scientists, storytellers, artists, it's, it's a really a diverse community that's come together to try to create around this platform. And with um, shows and movies that are getting a lot of popularity right now, like Ready Player One, um, I just, Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Ender's Game, that talk a lot Love about... Love Death Robots. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen that one. So all these shows <laughs> that are gaining a lot of popularity and talk about virtual reality and augmented reality kind of in a darker light almost. Um, I wanted to get your opinion because we've talked a lot about the positives of virtual reality, augmented reality, and XR. I wanted to see if you thought that this could possibly in the future or if it is currently being misused or if it's dangerous. Yeah, you know, it, it's a great question and something we're mindful of always when we 
think of innovation and technology is, you know, what is the ethics and morality around this? And I, I think it's really important, especially because a lot of the people coming to it are, are younger generations, right? And so, um, you know, ethical principles that guide the use of this platform will, will be important. You know, because humans are so perceptive and, and because so we're so visually dominant, it is a very powerful platform. So for example, I'll, gi I'll give you an example of, of a kind of a danger, but in a funny little way. So one of the early experiences I had in bringing the technology to my office, and you know, I, I had some experience before coming to CSU with the platform in, in medical devices, but um, we got the Oculus Go and we loaded it up with a number of the sort of entertainment modules on it, one of which was a ski jump. And so uh, I put, I won't say which dean, but I put one of the deans of the colleges uh, inside the goggle on the ski jump. Now, if you're f afraid of heights or you've done any of those roller coaster VR, it, it's pretty uh, powerful in terms of how real it'll convince your brain that you're on the precipice of falling. And indeed, this dean took a massive wipeout in my office. He was literally standing there, but he thought he was on the top of a ski jump. And when the program, you know, sent him down that jump, he he did kind of a massive wipeout, which looked odd because, you know, here's somebody standing still thinking they're on a ski jump. And, and so, you know, he didn't get hurt. But, you know, there's an, a, 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 probably a, a simpler example of your question where you can actually be fooled in, in these environments into believing certain things about phobia, about, um, you know, your own vestibular, your sense of balance. So there is not only a physical uh, but a mental stress that one has to consider inside of these things. And, uh, yeah, fear, you know, when you're in a highly perceptive environment like that, human emotions can take over. I think it's always so interesting to hear about uh, how people interact with VR and augmented reality and how that kind of evolves the better the technology gets. Uh, but um, enough about the, the technology itself. Let's talk about the event. Uh, so who are some of the people speaking at the symposium? Yeah, it's 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 always been great because you know we were early adopters of this kind of event. As I said, it was a bit of a flyer when we first did it, but we've had great participation from industry, from universities, from you know associations engaged in this. So at this event coming up, we always start the event with a symposium. So Friday afternoon, we spend three or four hours hearing from thought leaders from academia, industry, as I said, and I'll mention a few coming this year. And, and then the event starts at 6 o'clock on Friday night, runs to 6 o'clock on Sunday, and, you know, it's a, it's a sugar and caffeine-fueled event. And uh, But this year in the symposium, we've got the head of uh, medical VR for HP coming. So, you know, HP Workstations has been in Fort Collins for many, many years. And, and so we're very fortunate to have a close industrial partner like that pushing the platform for a variety of reasons. They, they did a major deal with HTC Vive, so if you're the Vive, so the Vive system. So, you know, we've also enjoyed their participation and, and um, provision of equipment. So HP, uh, they'll be giving a talk uh, on their interest in medicine. We've got, um, and I'm calling up the more specific list here for I can tell you here exactly but we've got uh, great speakers uh, Dan Graham from CSU Department of uh, Psychology is uh, also speaking 
Um, so that's a, a great opportunity to hear from somebody on campus. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, somebody from Stanford uh, coming uh, uh, in the Stanford design um, who's uh, very well known in, in that world. And um, his name is uh, Tom Crummel from Stanford Biodesign. Uh, the woman I mentioned earlier from HP is Mary-Kate Mahoney. She's the global head of VR for healthcare at HP. Uh, we've got Victoria Enterante uh, at, from the University of Minnesota coming, a professor of computer science. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really a great chance for students to hear from thought leaders both on campus, in industry, and around uh, the community of what's going on. And then uh, they'll be around. The other great thing about this event is um, – because it's so unusual and we were really out ahead of many folks, these these folks stick around and spend the weekend uh, interacting with the students, kind of watching and helping. We've also gotten great engagement from our faculty. So um, this year, like last year, the faculty have put up some ideas that students can can pick up and and pursue, uh, they can do their own ideas as well. But we've gotten a lot of faculty engagement. So, you know, we'll have faculty from computer science engaged, we'll have faculty from journalism engaged, from art engaged. And so our faculty have really stepped up as well. And then our office, this is one of our favorite events of the year. We really, uh, all of our staff really enjoy spending the weekend and sort of uh, li living the life inside the uh, virtual world. <laughs> I like how you phrase that. <laughs> um, so, this is a this is a big sounding question. But if the entire event had a goal, what would you say the goal of the weekend would be? So uh, it's it's a it's an interesting question because when we started this out, our goal was to bring awareness and visibility to this uh, growing uh, platform, its applications to CSU. I think we've done that, and and in the last few years, we've generated some ideas that have you know gotten their own legs, found funding, and really established uh, some amazing spaces on campus, like at the Richardson Design Center and over in the Health Education Re Outreach Center, where we've created uh, VR theaters and VR classrooms that can accommodate fifty to hundred people. So. You know what I what I think the goals are now is to continue the growth of this on campus in an impactful way against our mission for students, and we've seen that touch uh, lots of different parts of campus. So admissions is now using a CSU immersive experience to attract students. We flew a drone over CSU and took uh, immersive camera footage so people can fly over the campus now in an immersive experience they can be in the huddle of the football team they can you know hang out with cam the ram so you know it's now starting to touch other parts of our mission so i think now the goal is to see vr ar you know scale uh and impact our mission in the most optimal way it's no longer about you know if and when it's really now about how are we going to integrate this into, you know, an experience for our students, staff, and faculty in the most impactful way. Makes me glad that I've grown up right where I grew up, so I can <laughs> see this happen. Um, so, last question, um, and thank you so much for spending your time oh, with us. Pleasure. It's been really great to have you here, Doctor. Um, but my last question is. You mentioned that this is for everyone, and it brings together a lot of different concentrations, especially in academia. Um, 
if a student was listening to this, to us talk today, and was like, wow, that's so cool, I want to get involved. If they wanted to, how could they get involved? Well, we have a website. If they just type in, you know, VR at CSU, what'll come up is the Vice President for Research website where we have a not only um, the symposium details, but sort of the whole virtual reality initiative. So, if, you know, if you go online, there's actually a virtual reality initiative, RAM Reality, on our Vice President for Research webpage. And it describes not only the hackathon and the symposium, but we introduce some virtual reality classes uh, that make it easier uh, for people to learn about this. We actually have equipment that they can learn with. It's in the Morgan Library. And, and so, you know, we introduced a whole bunch of classes. Um, and then there's an AR VR club that was started, um, and that's going really well. So in each on that website, you can learn more about each one of these things, the classes, the clubs, the symposium, the hackathon. Uh, and then, you know, contacting our office, we have a number of student uh, interns involved with our VR initiative. It's been really highly subscribed by our students in our office, and for us, that's that's really great. We get to interact with students, and and so there's lots of ways to get involved. And then I would say the faculty are getting more involved. So you know, students on this campus who want to engage in research are going to find more faculty in various departments doing research. So I encourage them to talk to their to their faculty about it in their classes and just say, hey, who in this department is doing something with VR? Because what we're finding is since we started this four years ago, there's all kinds of things going on. So I think in addition to going through, you know, some central source like us, I think they're going to be finding more opportunity just around campus. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rudolph, for coming on and spending some time with us. Thank you. Really yeah, appreciate you. having All right. you in here today. All right. Thanks very much. We're going to have to take a short break here, but after we come back, we're going to have campus news with me, and then we're going to have... Climate Strike with Coda Babcock, our reporter. Uh, before we go, we would like to once again pose a question to our listeners for our upcoming roundtable later on. Uh, do you think that raising the legal age for the purchase of tobacco negatively impacts those who are under the legal age, say, if the legal age was raised 21 and you are 18 and already addicted to nicotine, do you think that there will be a negative health impact for those people in between the current legal age and the future legal age? Let us know what you think. You can text us at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-5278 or KCSU. Or uh, let us know what you think on our Instagram, uh, Twitter, or Facebook at KCSUFM. We will be right back. And we're back with the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And pretty soon we're going to be listening to a new newscast made by our uh, reporter, Coda Babcock, about the climate strike in Denver that, that happened he was able to make it to. Last Friday. Um, we just heard from Dr. Rudolph about the uh, virtual reality symposium that is happening, taking, Ram Reality Weekend, that is taking place in two weeks. Uh, if you'd like to hear that interview, you can hear it on our website, kcsufm.com, under the tab Rocky Mountain Review. Um, in the meantime, though, we have Campus News with our very own Ren Wadsworth. 
Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Take it away, Ren. All righty. So this year, we are actually celebrating 150 years at Colorado State University. So this year's homecoming is jam-packed with concerts, parades, races, and other activities. This Saturday, the 39th annual homecoming parade will take place at 7.30 a.m. The historic race will both begin and end at Colorado State University's Oval. The race will follow the same course of winding through CSU's campus that it has for years. Prior to 2017, the Homecoming 5K has always been held on the Saturday of Homecoming and Family Weekend and always started and ended at the Oval. But things changed when Canvas Stadium opened two years ago and campus streets and parking lots were closed to accommodate game day parking. Last year, the race returned to campus, but was moved to a Sunday and participation for the race dropped. Barry Braun, the race director and chair of the Department of Health and Exercise Science, stated about the change, we're really back to our roots with the race, and people are excited. In addition to being a CSU tradition, the proceeds from the race also benefit CSU's FIT Cancer Program. If you're interested in participating in the race this year, registration for the homecoming race is now open, and you can find more information at chhs.colostate.edu hes outreach and engage homecoming 5k race. If running isn't really your style, there is a walking option with the annual homecoming parade. Colorado State University's homecoming parade will take place on Friday, October 4th at 4.30 p.m. The parade will begin at the intersection of West Pitkin Street and Meridian right in front of Canvas Stadium and will twist throughout the campus before ending at West Laurel Street and South Loomis Avenue. For the parade, most of Laurel Street and Plum Street will close will be part closing uh, for the parade, most of Laurel Street and Plum Street will be closed with parts of West Pitkin Street and Lake Street closed as well. The parade will feature floats, clubs, and sports on campus, and the CSU Spirit Squad will be there, which includes the marching band, cheerleaders, and Golden Palms. If you're interested in participating in the parade or registering your float, contact CSU Events at 970-491-4600 or csuevents at coloradostate.edu. If both running or walking aren't really your ideal plans for homecoming this weekend, there will also be several concerts. Stadium session. Stadium Sessions, which is a series of free outdoor performances by local bands before every Colorado State University home football game, will return October 4th and 5th, with shows by Kind Dub, Carrie Pastine, and the Crime Scene, and Float Like a Buffalo. Kind Dub will open for Carrie Pastine and the Crime Scene on CSU's Historic Oval on October 4th as part of Festival on the Oval, which is scheduled from 3 to 6 p.m. Then Float Like a Buffalo performs prior to the home game against San Diego State on October 5th. This is the third year of stadium sessions, and this year it will feature a lineup of performances at the Coors Light Ramwalk Taillight, which will open four hours prior to the home game kickoff at 8 in front of Canvas Stadium on Meridian Avenue. In addition to the live music before the game, the tailgate will feature lawn games, food trucks, and beverages for purchase. Liam Kilpack, a Colorado State University student studying environmental and natural resource economics and business administration, died on Friday, September 20th. The cause of death is unknown, and the Office of Student Affairs has asked for people to not contact the family directly and instead work through Craig Chesson, acting dean of students, uh, for any questions related for Liam's family. On Sunday, September 29th, the N-word was written on the intramural field outside bathrooms. Rumors have spread due to the video of the incident that the word may have been written in blood. The CSU Rec Center sent an email 
that read, we share this with you knowing that this semester has already included a number of bias incidents and those events have hurt many members of our campus community. Colorado State University police were notified and the vandalism was removed from the bathroom. Additionally, a bias incident report was also submitted to the university. We'll continue to keep you updated as we get more data, but for now, that's your campus news on the Rocky Mountain Review. Thank you so much, Ren. Yeah, absolutely. You're so well-spoken. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, we are going to go to uh, Coda Babcock, our science reporter. Last Friday, went to the climate strike in Denver um, and met with Esme, who was an organizer there. Uh, we go now to Coda with the climate strike. This is Coda Babcock from KCSU on 90.5 FM. Today I'm going to be reporting on science specifically, and we got an interview with Esme Holden, the current leader of the climate strike here in Fort Collins. Fort Collins climate strike models after those all across the country, which mostly happened last Friday on September 20th. What made you get involved with climate crisis activism? So I got involved with uh, climate crisis activism because of the rising concern of um, climate genocide and the effects it has on everyone else. Uh, more specifically, I got involved into activism um, because I was tired of hearing that I couldn't do anything, that my vote doesn't matter, and um, I'm tired of seeing everyone else uh, say the same thing, you know? So I'm trying to help mobilize and move people so that we can start moving in the right direction. How long have you been working as a climate activist and how has it impacted you personally? I, I got involved into activism fairly recently. Um, just over the course of the last few months, I, I started getting into politics and um, I started looking into uh, the problems around the world and what's going on. I'm more specifically doing research into money and politics, who's taking money, um, voting records, and just comparing that to what the corporate media is saying um, so that I can determine, you know, what is actually going on. And then you use the term climate genocide. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little? According to the UN, um, a two degree Celsius rise in temperature is considered climate genocide. The numbers from two years ago uh, of displaced people is already greater now than it was two years ago. So what hopes do you hope, or well, what hopes do you have for the movement here in Fort Collins uh, following the strike? I'm really hoping that people just start getting involved. Um, people stop feeling as demoralized and realize that we have a community here that um, does care about the issues and people do care about each other. So my, my biggest hope is that I can help get more people involved into activism and feel like their vote does matter. What are some of the ways that youth can get involved currently in climate activism here in Fort Collins? So people can get involved by starting their own events and organizing. Reaching out to people and spreading awareness is the biggest way to try and get involved. Fortunately, most people are pretty aware of uh, climate change and global warming, but unfortunately, because so many people feel like their vote doesn't matter, they end up not mobilizing and they they don't end up talking to each other about politics and a lot of the problems going on. What do you think one of the most ignored issues in the climate crisis is? I feel like uh, not enough people talk about the feedback loops going on um, in the North. That's something that we can't control and so to address that as a problem in itself um, and trying to reduce those feedback loops is the biggest concern. Uh, what is a feedback loop? 
you don't mind me asking. So essentially what it is, is um, we've gotten to a point where um, we've caused so many emissions in our atmosphere that it's starting to melt the ice, um, as many people know, and it's causing methane underneath the earth uh, in these, these glaciers to start to um, melt and release gases. So while it releases gases, it's causing more heat, melting the caps more, causing it to melt and release more gases, and then looping in something that we can't control. What are some of the greatest concerns you have about public opinion and climate change? Um, my grim, well, my greatest concern is the climate change and global warming deniers. Um, I know that we do have an administration that um, actively opposes a lot of the science going on. And unfortunately, I believe that a lot of the reason for that is because of lobbyists and um, paid opinions for special interests and small-term profits. A lot of people in the fossil fuel industry have actively paid for politicians to deny that climate change is real. In the 70s, we had prior knowledge that this was happening and it had been confirmed in the 70s, but fossil fuel industries went ahead and paid corporate media to say that it's a hoax and while knowing it was actively happening they went ahead and lied to the public and continued to frack and mine for oil. All right, can you tell me about the Represent Us movement? I work for an organization called Represent Us which essentially um, they are a, a movement against uh, corruption in the United States. Um, over the last 40 years, we have seen an overwhelming amount of lobbyists pay um, our legislation to push their agenda and to help special interests and short-term profits. The Represent Us movement created the Anti-Corruption Act, which essentially um, is a really highly organized document which is trying to get rid of lobbying and make it unconstitutional um, and get rid of gerrymandering. Um, unfortunately, uh, in our constitution, lobbying is considered a First Amendment right. So this is a highly controversial topic. For more information on the Represent Us movement, you can visit represent.us, uh, spelled R-E-P-R-E-S-E-N-T dot U-S. Also to get involved locally, the city of Fort Collins is looking for community partners and plan ambassadors. For more information on that, visit ourcity.fcgov.com slash ourclimatefuture. Thank you again for listening to KCSU on 90.5 FM. Again, I'm Coda Babcock, and this was your monthly science update for September. Thank you so much, Coda. That was Coda Babcock, our science reporter um, at The Climate Strike. Now, uh, we're going to go on a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be doing local news, and we'll be having a roundtable discussion. But before we go, we would like to pose a question to our listeners for the roundtable discussion, which is about Colorado raising its smoking age to 21 for tobacco. Right, and, and we just wanted to ask uh, if our listeners thought that raising the legal age for the purchase of tobacco would negatively impact those who are under the legal age currently who are addicted to nic nicotine, or if you think it's an appropriate health precaution to take. For example, someone who is currently 19 and smokes under the new law would no longer be able to buy nicotine, and they already are a nicotine user, so this could be potentially detrimental to them. Let us know what you think. Uh, we are going to be right back. Hey. 
and we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wattsworth. And today we're going to have a little roundtable about how Denver has banned the purchase of nicotine and tobacco for consumers who are under the age of 21. And then after that, we're going to do some National Day news and some weather. But first... That's Max, me. Max is going to give us some local news. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Maximus Hunter, and this is your local news for Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. So police are investigating a motorcycle on SUV collision that happened last Saturday, the 28th. Around 10 p.m., officers responded to the report of a crash on the Highway 328 overpass over I-25. Neither the driver of the Cadillac Escalade or the 2002 Harley-Davidson were severely hurt. Douglas Gore, however, the driver of the bike, was transported to a hospital to treat his moderate injuries. Collision reconstruction and scene handling, a.k.a. crash, was quickly on the scene and closed off the intersection for three hours. After investigating, Crash was unable to determine the cause of the crash, but does not believe that drugs or alcohol played a factor. They are currently trying to determine if the traffic lights played a role in causing the SUV to hit the Harley. If anyone has any additional information about this crash, you can contact Officer Drew Jakowski at 970-416-2224. Once again, if you'd like to report any information about the crash, you can call Drew Jakowski at 970-416-2224. The City of Fort Collins has been awarded in recognition of our outstanding parks and recreation agencies. The City has been awarded CAPRA accreditation which is the only kind of national recognition for an outstanding parks department. This accreditation was given to the city by decision of the Commission for Accreditation of Park and Recreation Agencies, or CAPRA. The National Recreation and Park Association, or NRPA, also helps award this accreditation. In order to qualify for this honor, the Fort Collins Parks Department has to meet 151 recognized standards and practices, as well as publish details on all of their work to the CAPRA and the NRPA. The accreditation was awarded at the 2019 NRPA conference in Baltimore. The city will continue to uphold its parks and recreation standards and apply to renew for this accreditation again in five years. Fort Collins City Council will be meeting tonight. Here's what they'll be discussing. October will be declared Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month. The week of October 6th through the 12th will be declared Public Power Week, and the week of October 14th through the 18th will be the CSU Diversity Emporium. Funds will be being moved from the Data and Communications Fund to a funding for an electronic plan review for the building permit process to speed that along. City maps will be amended to reflect change precinct boundaries. The City Council will approve plans for reserves of unanticipated city revenue. The Council will be making a plan to accommodate water transport during the temporary shutdown of the Horsetooth Reservoir Soldier Canyon outlet. The Council will also be discussing the benchmarking process for measuring job performance of public servants. The immigration situation at the southern border will also be being discussed in regard to its impacts to Fort Collins. Finally, the city manager and city attorney will discuss a one-time payment for their unused 2018 paid time off hours. My name is Maximus Hunter, and that has been your local news for October 1st, 2019. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
Are we going to take a break or are we going straight? I think let's go straight into this round table since we only have a few minutes left on our show today. Um, So like we've been discussing and we brought up before these breaks, it sounds like the city of Denver has raised the age to buy tobacco products to 21. And Ren, did you say that's confirmed? That's already happened? Yeah. So uh, it looks like um, the Denver City Council voted unanimously on Monday to ban the sale of nicotine vaporizer cigarettes and other tobacco products to people under the age of 21. That's actually a really big deal. Um, It's pretty hard to get a unanimous vote. It is. Any council. Well, and that's uh, that's a product that affects a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, For those those listeners who don't know, uh, I used to smoke cigarettes and vape. I've recently stopped for my health, but uh, I personally uh, would have been pretty upset by this news if I weren't already 21. Um, And I actually I lived in Chicago when they did this, and I I was smoking, and I was 19, and uh, they changed the law to 21. And uh, I got to say, it didn't deter me very much. Um, if, if anything, it just, uh, without, without admitting to any kind of wrongdoings in the eyes of the law, it definitely encouraged me to look elsewhere to buy tobacco. Yeah, I think, I think the uh, hope with this is, yes, determined, um, and especially in the light of what's come out about the e-cigarettes and a lot of people being upset that um, this kind of action towards banning tobacco products that were harmful to people wasn't taken towards cigarettes and was only taken towards e-cigarettes is more so um, a health requirement and to stop people from starting smoking in the first place. I definitely think uh, if if the age is higher, you're going to have less young people and less kids doing it. Uh, if the age goes to 21, I think it's going to be much harder for someone who is 16 to find a friend to buy it for them. Because when you're 16, maybe you have an 18-year-old friend, but maybe you don't have a 21-year-old friend. At the at the same time, I might argue that, you know, we do live in America. People should be free to make the decisions they want once they're adults, uh, regardless of whether or not it's unhealthy. Uh, smoking is a choice. And, uh, you know, adults should be free to make that choice if they want is an opinion that could go in there. Um, By that same logic, though, do you do you think that uh, alcohol should be held at the same um, level? It's an interesting question, and it used to be um, until... And it is in other places. It, it is in other places, and uh, until, I believe, the mid-'70s, alcohol, you had it was just 18 to buy in the United States. And it's a really interesting question, uh, you know, and also how does how, does how old we are dictate how responsible we are and is there really that much difference between 18 and 21 these are these are all things to think about in uh in this discussion however uh, i do think we're running out of time for the show so we should probably move on yeah but let us know what you think about this uh topic you can text us at 970-491-5278 and we're going to try and keep up these questions uh before our round table because we really want to get your guys's insight on the issues that we discuss here we want to have some audience interaction. So text us again at 970-491-5278, or you can message us and comment on any of our social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at KCSUFM. Yes, you can. Yeah. Uh, there are some national holidays today. Ren, would you like to tell us what they are? Oh my gosh, I would. So October 1st is today. Um, first off, can I say I'm so excited for it to be 
October. I'm so Me excited too. for spooky season. I don't like the weather today, though. I love it. We'll talk about weather in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but October 1st is a dog's day because it is both National Black Dog Day and National Fire Pup Day. National Black Dog Day may seem strange, but it's actually an issue we talked about previously on the show that statistically dogs and cats that have darker colored coats get adopted less often than dogs and cats that possess a lighter coat. Regardless of behavior, size, breeding, personality, or age, the phenomenon persists. This day encourages the adoption of a dog in the darker shade. National Fire Pup Day recognizes the canine firefighters that have been a part of the squad for a long time in history. The national calendar explains why Dalmatians were a popular choice for fire pups by saying that their use in firehouses began during the 1700s. Trained as a carriage dog, the Dalmatians' agility transferred quickly to horse-drawn fire engines. Even though Dalmatians weren't the only dogs fit for carriage work, they were the ones that mostly filled the role of fire dogs. They were also easily identified by their spotted and speckled coats. If you don't have a dog but would still like to celebrate this holiday with your furry friend, today is also National Hair Day. (laughs) This day celebrates all cuts, styles, and products having to do with hair. And the last two national holidays are both food-related celebrations and both self-explanatory. October 1st and the first Tuesday in October are Homemade Cookie Day and Bring Fruit to Work Day. I can't believe I didn't bring fruit to work today. No, on the day. I could be eating fruit into everyone's ears through this microphone. You still could celebrate <laughs> Homemade Cookie Day, though. Ooh, I should. I <laughs> definitely should. So, it's our last segment of the day, which means something. I don't know what, though. You don't know what it means? I think I need a drum roll if, to remind me. If you give me a drum roll, maybe I'll remind you. Ooh. It means it's time for weather! <laughs> that was impromptu. <laughs> <laughs> Today, it was unexpectedly chilly with only a high of 53 and light rain throughout the day. I told you I didn't like today, but tomorrow, the temperatures are going to rise and the high is going to be 65, which means less chance of rain. However, some chance is still a chance, so don't put away those raincoats just yet. This Thursday, the temperature keeps rising two more degrees to 67 for the high. And then you're going to have to tune in Thursday to find out what Friday is going to be like. As per usual, you should have been expecting that one by now. Seriously. Well, unfortunately, that is going to be the end of our show today. Yeah. I had so much fun. I did, too. We had some amazing guests, and we, of course, have to thank them, as we do at the end of all of our shows. We do. First, though, let's thank Damien Castile for making the music we use on our show. And, yeah, I'm talking about this music. Yeah. Thank you, Damien Castile, for the music on our show. We love it, and we love listening to it. We'd also like to thank Dr. Rudolph for coming on the show, as well as Dixon Lawson for his sports report. Uh, we'd also like to thank Julia Badiglis, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Wack, Hunter Sinclair, and Asher Korn, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU. We couldn't do it without you, and we love your constant support. And your company. You're wonderful people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank you, Ren, because, Me? yes, you. Oh, well, thank you. I couldn't I couldn't do this show without you. You know that. And uh, we make a great team. And we're yeah. co- always complimenting each other. Yes. And our... The things we do complement each other, <laughs> our strengths and weaknesses. So it's just yes. so nice to work with you. Thank you, Max. I couldn't have asked for a better co-host. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and of course, we'd like to thank you because we couldn't do it without you. Thank you, dear listener. 
Yeah. We really couldn't. Um, and we really appreciate uh, the continued support, uh, engagement with our social medias, sending us texts. Uh, you guys have been awesome and very communicative, and so we love to hear from you. We want to keep it up in the future, so keep on being so awesome. And uh, I think that's about it for the show. But you know what that means. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time.